Today I have with me uh, Dr. Clinton Falk. Dr. Clinton Falk is the uh, chair of ECU, Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, which happens to be where I train, and he also holds a lot of other hats here. He's also our program director, and he's the director of our wound care center. Dr. Falk, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. So uh, first, I'd like to, I guess, just jump to the beginning. Um, why did you decide to get into medicine to begin with? So my career initially started um, in college, and I wanted to do something medicine-related, so I wasn't sure what that would be, whether it be physician, physician assistant, or something in that area. Nobody in my family had done medicine before, um, except for my grandfather um, was a nurse anesthetist. So I had a little bit of knowledge from him, but not a lot um, based on where he lived. So uh, in college, I just had to do something medical-related, so I did respiratory therapy to see how much I liked medicine or did not like it. So... I did pre-med in respiratory um, care. And so after my first two years, I got certified as a student respiratory therapist and started working at Georgetown Hospital in Washington, D.C. on the weekends and at nights, and then became fully certified and graduated um, with my degree and worked full-time as a respiratory therapist at Shock Trauma in Baltimore. And those areas, I worked in the multi-trauma and neurotrauma ICU units um, as a respiratory therapist. So that was my introduction into getting into medicine and why um, I chose to be in medicine in any, in any area, um, actually. And then from there, um, after a couple of years of working in that setting, I enjoyed it, but I found that it didn't quite fulfill everything that I wanted to do um, as far as medicine was concerned. So then I re-explored about two years out of college whether to go into physician assistant versus uh, medicine and to be a physician. And uh, had acceptance to both areas. Um, but decided if medicine was what I got accepted to, I would take that route instead. Um, and so that's the, the path I took. So college, introduction through medicine, respiratory care, worked as a respiratory therapist at Georgetown, shock trauma in Baltimore. And through meeting with physicians and different people there, um, decided that respiratory therapy, although a great field, uh, was not where I wanted to finish my career and wanted to go further into medicine. Okay. So then you went to medical school, and then at some point, did you discover PM&R then, or did you know about this before? So I didn't know anything about medicine before, um, although looking back at it, I took care of a lot of multi-trauma, neurotrauma ICU patients, which are a lot of the patients we get into rehab eventually. Uh, worked a lot of uh, respiratory care, ventilator patients, so um, I like the pulmonary quite a bit, which is also a part of rehab medicine. And then didn't really have exposure outside of that, although now I do wound care and hyperbaric medicine. And at that time, as a therapist at Shock Trauma Baltimore, we had a, a multi-place hyperbaric chamber, which I would take patients in for things such as necrotizing fasciitis. So I had a, another exposure to a part of my career I didn't think would come back around or had an interest in. And so then as I went through medical school and my training, didn't have any PMR exposure, which is very common for medical students today as it was back then. Um, and did some research in where I was doing my clinicals um, in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, had an opportunity to do a physical medicine and rehab rotation as an elective. So as part of uh, being a medical student, you have electives that you need to do. Um, and a lot of people chose the traditional ones um, that a lot of people do. And I decided to do some ones I didn't know much about. Um, so I chose this one and rehab medicine for four weeks. I also chose one that I was potentially going into, which was pulmonary ICU critical care. And I did rotations in both. I did the rotation in pulmonary critical care first, um, and then I did my rehab rotation second. So two extremes, actually. 
Um, but when I did my one in physical medicine rehab, it opened up a different door of medicine that I hadn't seen before and started to interest me more than the ICU critical care one. So I thought for sure it'd be critical care just based on respiratory therapy, ventilators, and that type of thing I liked a lot. Um, but I like the functional management in addition to the medical management of the patient. I found a lot more um, interest and satisfaction seeing patients recover both medically and functionally. And also the thing that triggered my interest a lot was the team concept. So as in rehab medicine, we're one of the few that integrates a team concept all the way through. Other, other places and specialties do great teamwork, but for rehab, it's requirement. And so when we have our teams inpatient with the physician as the medical director, uh, the nurses, the physical occupational speech therapist, case manager, and different people, that I like that team concept as well. I thought it was a better um, plan of care for patients that they were fully encompassed in their care, involved in their care, and that it wasn't just the physicians, it was more of a collaboration. So those two things, um, after I finished my rotation, uh, led me to decide that I wanted to do um, physical medicine or rehab, because at that time I was doing internal medicine with the potential for critical care pulmonary afterwards. So then I guess it's on to residency. What were you looking for in a residency and why did you ultimately end up deciding to come to ECU? So residency, I really wanted to be more categorical, which is a four-year program, not a three-year program, where I did my rotation, although a great place and actually very close to where I grew up, was a three-year program. So I have to go somewhere else for my internship, most likely, unless I had one close by there. So the four-year program interests me a lot um, to be somewhere, to be stable, know people, know how the system works. So I like having stability and continuities. That's one part that played into that for me. The second part was, I narrowed my program down to uh, my residency choices to the one I'm at now, which is East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, and some that were in Maryland and close by. And I found that the one I chose here, uh, where I currently live still, was one that was categorical, had the continuity, but I felt the program fit my learning style and my personality better, what I was looking for. And on top of that, um, I found that it was still on the East Coast, so not too far from where I grew up. Um, so I was kind of familiar with the area to some degree, as I have some family in North Carolina already, um, including my brother and, and different relatives on my dad's side. Um, so that was one reason that helped that. But the other reason was I felt the residency program made a bigger effort to want me in their program. So I know that sounds very cliche um, because we have so many applicants nowadays. Other programs I felt were interested in me and wanted me, but I felt that the program director and the program reached out to me more specifically and actually wrote letters to me um, and showed their interest. I felt their interest was more mutual than I had other places. At least I felt it was more um, genuine in that regard. So that's um, probably the biggest reason I chose to come to ECU. Okay. So then you're at ECU, um, you're here for four years, and then you decide to stay on. What in your time at ECU decided to make you want to stay on as faculty here? So I think uh, a couple of things. I think number one, I felt that, you know, being one of the first people in my family to do medicine and not sure where my career would lead to, no matter what, um, whether it was medicine or not to go into, is I felt very um, lucky, I guess you could say, or very, uh, I'm trying to think of the other word, very fortunate that I had the opportunity to do medicine. Um, I felt that 
I could do it. Um, I thought that I had the grades and all that kind of stuff. I always thought that other people could probably make better grades, but I thought I could be very well or more dedicated to what I do. So um, part of my reason for choosing this, I felt I wanted to give back to somewhere that gave me the opportunity. I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity as a resident physician. Um, I know I got accepted to medical school. I felt fortunate when I got into a residency. I felt very fortunate and lucky that there's so many people that don't get that opportunity. Um, there's a lot of people that get the opportunity but don't get to the next level. So I felt very, again, I'm using the word fortunate, um, to have the chance to be a physician that other people don't get. So I felt like I wanted to give back what I learned back to the next generation. And I felt that doing academics was the best way to do that. I knew that I liked teaching. I liked a little bit of research, um, and I felt like it was more of a team concept and practice as well compared to maybe private practice in that regard. So giving back to somebody else, I felt very um, lucky for the mentors that I had, uh, the mentor that I had a very good relationship with in my training were multiple people. Uh, one of them has unfortunately passed, but I got to learn a lot from him uh, before that happened. And I felt by learning from him and other people that it made me want to do academics as well. And so, again, I think the major reason was I wanted to give back to the program that gave me the chance. I felt fortunate to even be a resident physician um, or a physician, period. And I felt that uh, my chance for the next generation was to pass on what I learned, not just do the same thing in a clinic setting, which I'm not trying to talk negative about private practice, but I thought that I could be more broad in my approach and that I thought that there were more avenues to do different things outside of just medicine, which is, you know, being a program director or a chair or a researcher or those things gave me more opportunities. Okay. And when you came on at ECU, you took up a number of leadership roles at that time. You started as the director of the general rehab service, the associate program, the assistant program director, and then also the medical student program director. I guess, first of all, how did you manage to do all three of those things starting straight out of residency? Yeah, I thought um, part of it was um, I was asked to do those things and part of it was I had interest. I think a little bit of both. So I felt like at that point, if I was being asked to do some things earlier on that my department and my department chair had confidence I could do those things. Um, I chose general rehab because I like the different areas of rehab, and I thought that provided a new challenge every day with a different patient population. Um, the med student part of it was one that we've never had before, and so when we got when I got brought into that, it was a new endeavor. Um, I like teaching, and so we felt as a department to take that challenge on, and I felt like I could do it that time, um, and it gave me a different level of training that was just you know underneath the residency training program, but a chance to develop those skills better. And then the assistant program director, um, the current director, uh, I was chief resident under, and he thought that I'd be good at helping him bring the program along a little bit further. So a couple of these I was kind of looking to do, and a couple of them, I think the department felt they at least had the initial confidence that I could grow in those areas. So juggling all those things was a challenge, I'll have to admit. And so I think it's a matter of devoting time and being very scheduled and routine. So one thing I like to do is try to be very scheduled and routine and be accountable for what I'm asked to have done on myself. So I don't think it's the easiest thing to juggle multiple things. Um, but I think that trajectory was starting more at an assistant level program director. Um, the master rotation was being the clerkship director for that. But I think it was because I had inpatient experience 
Um, I had a lot of access to patients, a lot of access to the medical students. I think it made sense at that time um, for at least the chair of our department, Dr. Moore, to go that direction with me doing that. And then the second question is, you know, what did you, this is a mostly resident audience listening to this podcast. What did you do in residency, not only to prepare yourself to take on those leadership roles, but also to make you someone that the chair looked at and said, hey, this is the person that I want to do these things straight out of residency? So I think those things, um, I was chief resident my fourth year. And so I felt that I wanted to do a leadership role. I had done some leadership roles prior in college and high school and those things. Um, I'm not somebody that likes to get up and talk a lot, but I like to strategically plan and talk when necessary. Um, And so I felt that I could grow into some of these roles. And so being a leader, I think, takes different avenues. Some people, um, they say, are born with it. Some people develop it. I'm not sure which one I fit into as far as that's concerned, but I think it's something I had to grow into with experience and comfort level. So I don't think it's for everybody. And I think sometimes you'll try it and realize it's not for you. And sometimes you realize it is. But I knew in residency, being a chief resident, um, that I felt doing that role, I had the support and confidence of the chair and the residency program director to go to the next level with it. And so I think based on those two things, one, I had an initiative to be some type of leadership role. Um, two, I got to do a leadership role in a residency training program. And then three, I think if your mentors and your faculty members show you that support as well, it gives you the confidence for the next level to develop those skills further. So um, I think those are the major factors that as a resident kind of said, hey, I think I can do this at a different level um, as long as I had the support and mentoring from the proper people that I trusted. So then you have been at ECU for a while and continue to remain at ECU. But in uh, I think your next major milestone was at 2013, where you became program director. What uh, in those, I guess, eight years helped you become program director, decide that you wanted to become program director? So I think number one was the current program director at that time was Dr. Ray Milan. So he and I had a very good relationship working together. Um, I had kind of been mentored by him in that role. So I think overall, these kind of roles are very good for a lot of people. But there also comes a time where just a change of pace can make things better for different reasons. The program, the individual, and um, Dr. Milan was a great program director. He had some clinical areas he would like to pursue in further. And he'd been doing this for a while. And when you're in a leadership role for a long time, it can take its toll on you for different reasons. And so we felt that that was the right time to transition to a program director for myself and just having his mentoring. And I felt that my attachment to the program through my training and post-training, I felt the most attached to the residency training program. I felt that's where I felt most comfortable. I felt that's where I felt the most satisfaction um, and the most connection to anything else that I had been a part of here at ECU. So I think based on experience, satisfaction and just the fact that that's where I felt, again, giving back to where I felt very fortunate to be a resident to begin with, that it was a duty of mine to do this and this role. So as a program director, I thought I was ready for that next step. And um, the chair, Dr. Moore, also felt that I was ready for that next step. And so I had conversations with my chair, um, my current program director, and we came to a unified decision. So it wasn't a unilateral decision either, which is best for people involved and best for the department. So I think things happen for different reasons. Um, I didn't start residency plan to be a program director. I knew I wanted to be a leadership role. 
And so I think part of it is things that I wanted to do and things that I was asked to do. And so I think sometimes the trajectory you take as a leadership role in academic medicine, you may not foresee, um, but you may have the skills, you may be asked to do certain things, and then you have to just be willing to do those things. And I think if you're willing, that you will find your niche pretty quick as to what you want to do. And then as program director, you also started at that time, but then you also started as the director of the wound care center around the same time. How did that all get uh, established? So that was the interesting thing. Um, back in 2007, um, our department and program had thought about wound care, the concept of wound care, I guess you would say. It really wasn't developed as far as wound care centers that we're aware of anywhere, including here in Eastern North Carolina. So our department uh, with our leadership group approached the hospital and thought that opening a wound care center would be a really good thing, mostly for the patients in Eastern North Carolina, and that also our department could take the leadership role in that. So several of us got trained in wound care and hyperbaric medicine. Uh, our department became the wound care medical director, which was Dr. Moore chair initially. And that center has now been open for 13 to 14 years. Um, so ours was the initial wound care center in Eastern North Carolina. Now there's several um, in Eastern North Carolina, but we were the first. And it's one of our most successful clinics. Now it's not a typical PM&R um, clinic or special that you would see. But what we learned over there was that wound care is a very much a team-oriented concept, similar to inpatient rehab, that you have your physician or medical director, you have your nurse, case manager, and that we're responsible for getting home health set up, getting all the assisted equipment set up, um, getting the referrals set up to other providers. So I felt that we could definitely be a similar role in this area. So that was a unique opportunity. It's become, one, I think, one of the major attractants for our program that people don't have other places. And I think it showed that we as rehab physicians can take on leadership roles in other areas outside of traditional PM&R, which I think there are others that exist as well. And so then when Dr. Moore took over that, he did a great job for several years, but due to his in increased duties um, as a chair and medical director of our department, um, he needed more time other places, um, which was um, very understandable. So then he asked me to be the medical director of the wound care center. So um, I then stopped doing some of the traditional rehab clinics and started doing more wound care and got certified in wound care and got certified in hyperbaric medicine and then became the medical director there. So that's kind of my road to get to that point. Um, and now it's become one of my main primary outpatient clinic and specialties. Okay. And then uh, at, in this program in 2019, Dr. Moore, who has been the chair here for many, many years, announced his retirement from the program. And at that point, the chair position opened up and you were shortly named interim chair thereafter. How did that process uh, end up coming about with you named interim chair? And then what did you do in that role to help prepare you for eventually the role you ended up taking on? So I think it goes back to the initial um, question you asked me about the trajectory of how I got to this place. And I look back on this um, a little ways back and thought about it, you know, starting out as the assistant program director, the med student director, those kind of things was the initial trajectory of being um, in a leadership role. And then it materialized into being um, the Red Sea program director, also materialized into be the wound care medical directors. And then I let other things go as I took new things on. And so I think part of that, uh, and then also becoming tenured at the university here, and that was the support of the chair doing that with me, Dr. Moore. So I think those things kind of helped me grow as a physician and a person that as a tenured faculty, you get to know how to do research, 
to teach and take care of patients, kind of a trifecta really. So I think if you can accomplish those things and it fits academic medicine very well, but you don't have to have that to do all those things. And so I think that trajectory, um, and then Dr. Moore also had the confidence in that I could be the vice chairman for the department. So when I was vice chair for several years, um, he was able to, based on my experience in being here for a time, trust me, I, I believe in doing things that he didn't always have time to do. And he felt confident I could represent the department well. So I think it, you know, going that trajectory of a med student director, assistant director, residency program director, getting tenured, wound care director, vice chair, it kind of weaved, you know, through several years of doing multiple um, leadership roles. And so then when I became vice chair, I started meeting regularly with Dr. Moore and our administrator, Sandy Wynn, and learned how to see, you know, how budget works, how to do a pro forma, how to recruit physicians, how to, you know, represent the department at a higher level um, in more challenging atmospheres. So that helped me a lot as well. So then when Dr. Moore decided to retire, um, the question or the, the question for me came, would I be willing to be the interim chairman? Um, and again, I think that goes with um, a lot of support from the current chairman, from my colleagues, from the residents, uh, from the dean of the medical school, from other chairs uh, who approached me, who knew the process may lean, um, that I'd have that opportunity. So I think it's a personal decision to make that for a chair, but I think if you've been somewhere for quite a while that you look to your colleagues that you trust for support and that support was there. So then I became the interim chair. Um, and with that role, what was nice is I met with the Dean right away. Um, and he shared his support hundred percent. And he also gave me full confidence, which I think is important, even in the interim level that he told me, you know, Clint, this is your department. I want you to do what you see fit. I don't want you to hold back in your decisions, obviously make good decisions as expected of you but I don't want you to feel like in an interim chair, I want the department to grow under you at this point. So that helped me feel well, that I could do the things I wanted to do right away through my experience here. And that I was also starting to attend meetings that the chair would normally attend as the interim chair. So I felt fully integrated right away as the interim chair, um, which helped. I wasn't kept out of any meetings, anything like that, any emails. So I felt I was already part of the leadership group. So that was my that big transition as interim chair. The one challenge that came up, I have to admit, one of the big challenges, obviously, um, you know, COVID and this kind of things interrupted some of that. But that's for a lot of people as well. That's just another hurdle that comes with uh, the territory you do. As I learned as a chair, I think you face many challenges, but it's the managing the unexpected is kind of what you have to, to get used to in a leadership position such as this. Okay. And then uh, after, you know, rigorous selection process, you were ultimately named as our permanent chair where you've been in that role for about a year now. Have you enjoyed uh, the job as chair? Is it? It doesn't really sound like, based on our conversation, you've always been into leadership, but not. Doesn't sound like that's something that you really wanted to do coming out of a residency necessarily. Do you like where you are at now in your career? I do. Yeah, I think it all comes kind of full circle. So, um, the one thing I would say I miss a little bit of, which I think everybody should be aware of, is when you take on a chair level or program director level that you're gonna give up some of your clinical care. There's only so many things you can pack into a day. Just like you mentioned, trying to juggle different things can be overwhelming sometimes. So I did have to give up some of my clinical care. I'd done inpatient uh, general rehab for many, many years. And so I had to give that up a little bit. So that was a hard transition for me because I was used to be on the floor. I like seeing patients every day. So that's one thing I do miss a, more um, that I wish I could do more of. 
However, um, in that regard also, I felt that it was a duty of mine that if I'm asked to do a certain role and I think that I can do it, that I need to take that next step in my career and what's important for the department. So I felt as the department supported me, as the other chairs in the School of Medicine supported me, I felt as the dean supported me, that this was the next step I needed in my career. So um, I felt that this was the right position. I'm happy doing it. Um, I would say it's been more than challenging. Um, there have been some, as any place you would go, some political issues that all happen within institutions regarding business. Um, and I think the COVID pandemic also happened right when I became chair. So I felt a lot of the things that I initially wanted to do had to take a back seat, which is very understandable for COVID-related issues. So, um, But again, I think that's managing the unexpected. And every chair in the university across the country has had to deal with that same same situation. So although I, although I believe it's um, a never-ending story that you're going to have challenges no matter it's COVID or something else, I do believe this was the right step for me. Um, and maybe later on in my career, I'll be going back to some other patient care needs. So I still do patient care. I just do about half of what I used to do just based on the needs from a residency program director and being chair for the department, which I like doing both. And I know this wasn't a question asked, but somebody asked me, um, before, you know, is it an advantage to be in chair and program director? And I thought when I was program director that if I was going to be asked chair one day, I'd want to do both at least for a while. Cause I think sometimes it can be a disconnect between a residency training program um, and the physician hospital administration level. So I thought I could better represent the residency training program if I could do both positions. So I don't know what the future holds, but for right now, that's been a good um, connection for me to have to both areas. Well, speaking of the future, do you see yourself staying on in this role for a long time, continuing to hold all the ro roles that you have, or do you have you as your job has continually evolved throughout the time you've been here, going somewhere in a new direction? I think right now I see myself doing all these roles. However, we've added some other pieces. We've added an assistant residency program director um, to the department, which has been a big help to me. Um, I have a really good program coordinator have a really good um, executive assistant or really good administrator. So I think a lot of those things are helping me um, relieve some of those, even though I'm still doing the major part of those roles. So I do believe over time um, that some of those roles will fall to other people. Um, I think I'll continue as the chair and whether program director or wound care medical director is forever, I don't know. But I think one thing I like to do for a lot of people is when I meet with the faculty, is I really like to tell them and focus on accountability, transparency, kindness, research, um, different things, uh, resiliency. However, one thing I always tell them is I'm trying to do also make them better what they do, which I heard from other chairs. So I'm at a level now where my goal is to make other people successful. So I think there's other roles that I do, that there's somebody that's coming up you know, through our department um, that feels that they would like that kind of thing, I would be interested in teaching them and mentoring in that role because I think in general you can't do everything forever. And I think a transition at some time for any type of role is good for growth and new ideas. So I think over time there will be people that are developed skill set wise. But I'm also cautious of that too because I don't want to put somebody in a position before they're ready or feel comfortable because I think that could lead to burnout and then you lose somebody in your practice. So I think it's a fine balance between what the department needs and whether faculty feel comfortable with that because some faculty will have to give up some of their clinical needs to do that. And that may not be something they want to do. So again, I think it's based on time. 
Um, but my goal is to make other people better what they do. When you get to a chair, I think that you're trying to make your department people better um, and get them some notice and some experience. I do think over time this will transition for other people to do other things in the department. That all makes a lot of sense. Um, one of my final questions is you've spent your entire career since your residency at ECU. I'm sure you had at some point maybe opportunities to leave this program to go elsewhere. What made you want to, I guess, spend your entire career at one institution? And is that something you'd recommend to others? So that, that's a great question. I didn't know what the future held. When I first moved here for my residency training, um, I was married, didn't have any children yet. And I thought for sure I would go back to where I grew up um, in Maryland and get a job there. And, you know, what the future holds, academics versus private, I didn't know. But as I was here, I did have two children born through my residency time um, and realized that I liked the area. Uh, my wife liked the area. I had two young children. And then I thought that being academics was where I kind of wanted to at least give it an initial start in my career. And that doesn't mean I had to stay in North Carolina for any, any reason, but thought this was a good place to give it the first start. I felt confidence in it uh, for my family, and I felt the program was willing to um, mentor me and, and, and focus on how I can be better in the program as well. Didn't know it would lead to being chair one day, but um, looking back at it, you know, the mentors helped me get to this position based on their confidence in me. So. I didn't see being here for this long time. Um, I have looked at other opportunities through the years, which I think other people do as well. And I think that's okay. I think it's it's healthy once in a while to see what else is out there. Because um, so I think you learn to better position yourself to grow your own skills if you stay somewhere. But I also realized that you think, yeah, sorry, I think sometimes you'll realize that what your current position is sometimes may be better than what you're looking for. Um, not always. And so I think other opportunities existed for me and I think they would have been good, but I don't think they were good for my career or my family at that time. So my decision typically would fall to what's best for my family first um, and then fell to what my career was second. And so my family liked it here. Um, that's why I chose to stay here. And then I think if either one of those two things didn't fall into place, family and then also maybe not my career, that would lead me to go. But being happy and successful in my career, but most important, my family is happy where we are, that those kind of two things matched. And so when those two things match, even though you may look, I think that may not lead you to go somewhere else. But when those one of those two things don't match, I think that's where the opportunities exist to go other places. Um, and so that's the basic reason why I stayed at Greenville, really. And that makes a whole lot of sense. I personally very much understand that. Um, I guess the last question before we wrap up is, uh, this is a podcast obviously run by residents for residents. Do you have any tips for any residents out there, not necessarily looking to become chair, but looking to go into academia, leadership roles, and what they can do to help themselves make that transition in the future? So I think that some tips I would say was consider academics. I, I know private practice is out there, and I think you can be successful physiatrist out in private practice, but we need... Um, academic physicians as much as any time um, and I think what you can give back and mentor other people will be priceless um, I know I think of it as a team concept you know I see groups of residents that graduate and I think of it kind of like you know you're kind of like on a basketball team with a, you know with players and you're the coach and you're trying to mentor them and then when they successfully graduate and move on they're gonna get their own team and even though they play for somebody else you're very happy and, and 
you get a lot of enjoyment seeing where they succeed in fellowships and jobs and other institutions, other places. So I think that fulfillment, if you if you have that fulfillment to see other people succeed, that you'll be very satisfied with the residency training program. But the other tips I would say was take a chance on doing some leadership role in your residency training program. And the other tip is to ask your program director, ask your chair where these things may exist. Um, because there are opportunities that a lot of times people will look for that they don't know about um, until they ask. And you hope that those positions are all promoted, but they all, are not always done so. So I think taking the chance to take a leadership role um, and take a chance on teaching your fellow residents. You don't have to be a chief resident to teach other residents. You can volunteer for lectures. You can do other things. So I think if you step out of that comfort zone and start teaching people, step out of your comfort zone and start leading people, I think you'll see whether that's a fit for you or not. I think it's a mistake to wait until you graduate um, because you already have a lot of stresses of passing your boards, getting a job, raise a family, whatever things you like to do. And so I think now's the time more than ever in a residency train that you can figure out if you want to be a leader in academics or not or a leadership role anywhere else. Um, it's busy as an attending physician. It's busy as a resident. But I think that's the time to figure out how you want to take your next step in your career. And the other thing is find a mentor in your program that you think you may want to follow to some degree, whether it's teaching, research, being a, a clinician, and get as much information from them as possible and let them lead you forward. I think that's the biggest thing is you need to talk to more people, trust your program, and take those chances um, to be a leader early on in your career and don't be afraid to fail. I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people are afraid as a resident physician and attending that if you take on something and you're considered not successful, that that's the end of the road for you. And it's not. Um, I think some of our most successful leaders inside medicine, outside of medicine have failed or not been successful at first before. So the biggest thing is you learn from your mistakes and you continue on. Um, and remember that if your goal is to help other people to become better at what they do, um, I use a quote a lot of times that iron sharpens iron. And I think that's the fact that you have to think about is that you really need to focus on how you can be better together. And so I think if that's your purpose and your goal is not to make yourself the best, um, although you, you, know, you want to be good at what you do, that you'll be successful in life and relationships too. I think that's some great advice, and that's a great way to end. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Falk, for being with us today. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you for the opportunity.